What are an employer's obligations with respect to pregnant and breastfeeding employees? This is Stuff Employers Should Know. Welcome to Stuff Employers Should Know, proudly brought to you by LaborNet, management's ultimate HR solution. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Barry Gordon-Davis, and over there, as always, is Yasser Yaslakit Ismail, busy pushing the buttons and trying to make me sound a little bit better than what I usually do. And uh, we are joined again by Shamira and Gamia, whose title I'm not even going to try to get into again. Go and listen to the last podcast with her. It took me about five minutes to get through everything. But welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be back. And Shamira is going to be uh, taking us through the ins and outs, specifically relating to the obligations of employers for pregnant and breastfeeding employees. So... The Constitution is intended on preventing any unfair influence or discrimination on women. And in our context today, specifically relating to their actual or intention to reproduce. Correct. So as a starting point, maybe let's just go through the legal framework. So the Constitution basically provides or protects the right to bodily as well as psychological integrity. Uh, And this includes the right to make decisions concerning reproduction, that's as per Section 12, as well as giving every person the right to health services, which include reproductive health care. So that's the framework, that's the starting point. The next piece of legislation we look at is uh, Section 187.1 of the Labor Relations Act, as well as Section 6 of the Employment Equity Act. These are the ones where you get yourself into serious trouble. Exactly, because this establishes the right that no person may be discriminated against or dismissed on account of their pregnancy or intended pregnancy, that is. Um, Then we also focus on the Basic Conditions of Employment Act. This also provides that employers are not allowed or permitted to request employees or breastfeeding um, or pregnant employees uh, in particular to perform work which is hazardous to the health of the employee or that of the child. Um, the BCA in particular establishes what we call the code of code of good practice, which is almost like an annexure to the BCA. Mm. And this code is specifically titled the code of good practice on the protection of employees during pregnancy and after the birth of the child. <laughs> you don't get more direct than that. Correct. Correct. So it's, it's basically the framework within which um, the legal parameters are set out. Okay. So let's start with, um, you know, the employee finding out about their pregnancy and and disclosing it to the employer. Now, under uh, you could call it a normal working environment or office environment, um, you know they, they don't necessarily disclose it until a, a a later stage or when they start to let's say show their pregnancy or the rumor yeah. mill starts. Um, is there onus on them to disclose? So. From a legislative perspective, the Basic Conditions of Employment Act effectively says that you need to disclose to your employer when you are going on maternity leave. So you need to disclose at least a month before that you are going on maternity leave, but it doesn't specifically outline when you need to disclose your pregnancy. Yeah, but then what about employees that, let's say, are partaking in work that might even be hazardous? Okay, so that's why it's important for employers to have a very open uh, policy when it comes to disclosure, when it comes to accommodation of pregnant employees, preventing them from actually engaging in hazardous work, etc. So in other words, employers are obliged to create that environment where an employee is actually Uh, encouraged to disclose the pregnancy as early as possible because the earlier you disclose it obviously the more accommodation we can you know we can uh, place or we can um, make for the the employee 
Now, um, I hinted at the, the showing signs, but uh, also employers having to deal with, let's say, the pregnancy-related physical effects that might Correct. impact on their ability to, to work as per usual. Exactly. So maybe let's just go through a few of those. So it's it's quite far-reaching, um, but there's generally a list of, of specific um, physical uh, effects that the pregnancy may have, and, and it generally does affect a person's ability to, to complete their, their work. So things like morning sickness, uh, things like backaches or varicose veins, uh, more frequent visits to the toilet, for example. Mm. So accommodation, I mean, something as simple as that. You Not may to need mention to, also the gynecologist. Correct. Um, changes to size as well as discomfort. So if you yeah. have someone, for example, who sits for very, very long periods of time, that may not be possible when they, you know, when they become pregnant. Uh, their balance. Uh, if you have an individual who works at heights, for argument's sake. Uh, also tiredness associated and, and general fatigue associated with pregnancy. So you may not have, for example, uh, an individual who is able to work overtime or, provide, or perform evening work. Now, for the purposes of today's podcast, I don't want to go into the details of uh, maternity leave, but um, specifically, I want to focus on when uh, we return. I mean, maternity yeah. leave is maternity leave. There's a, there's a podcast on it. You can go check it out. Uh, but when they return to work, and uh, again, those, uh, put it into two. We have our employee that returns to work to an office environment, mm-hmm. um, normal, general. The only thing that, 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 that creates the environment is an air conditioner. Um, wh- what, how must the employer accommodate them specifically if they are breastfeeding at that time? Okay, so the code in particular addresses this. So it, it effectively says that um, you need to provide breastfeeding employees with breaks. Uh, it specifically says 30 minutes twice a day for breastfeeding or expressing of milk. Now, obviously, you may have situations where the employee cannot have uh, you know, the child on hand uh, for breastfeeding purposes, but then the 30 minutes should then be provided for purposes of expressing milk. Uh, and this should be done for the first six months of the child's life. And again... What about work that is hazardous? So maybe let's let's touch on a few um, a few categories of what we consider hazardous in the workplace. So you've got your physical hazards, um, for example, noise or extreme environments. You've got ergonomic hazards. That's, for example, heavy physical work, repetitive work, um, standing for long periods of time. Uh, you've got chemical hazards. So, for example, if you're working with, with um, dangerous substances. And then we've got biological hazards. So, for example, bacteria or viruses. Um, these are all particular hazards which may affect the individual as well as the unborn child. So that is what employers need to be mindful of as a starting point when it comes to accommodation and, and basically preparing for pregnant employees and those uh, who are returning from pregnancy. And the, the Act also talks about um, uh, accommodating those. And yep. specifically, if we look at the BCA, when it talks about um, night work. Correct. Um, it says that the employer must accommodate them. Yes. And must accommodate them for, for those that work night work to alternative shifts or the like. Um, so my next question is, what does an employer do where they uh, – and, and there's a genuine inability to accommodate mm-hmm. um, the, the, despite the fact that the Act now says they have to? Correct. Okay, so – um, with this particular element, there's a there's a particular case that uh, that was quite helpful when it comes to to providing guidance on this. It's the Manietza case. I think you can provide provide the the citation. But effectively, what happened in this case was there was a pregnant employee, 
And she claimed that she was unfairly discriminated against because the company had a maternity leave policy, which particularly stated that when a an employee fell pregnant and they needed to immediately be removed from any high-risk work, and if suitable alternatives could not be found or accommodation could not be met, um, it would then provide that they go on unpaid or extended unpaid leave prior to their maternity leave. So the employee claimed that this was unfairly uh, discriminatory against against her. What the court found, however, was that firstly, there are multiple factors which you need to consider when you look at alternative work. Um, secondly, you need to cons- you need to perform proper assessment when it comes to uh, taking into account what is actually considered to be an alternative because this may not necessarily be suitable for the employee, but in the same vein, what might appear suitable might not necessarily be an alternative. So what the court then found was the uh, unpaid maternity leave or the extended unpaid maternity leave was actually necessitated by what we term the inherent requirements of the job. Um, And it was then found to be to be fair, a fair alternative. So in that regards, um, an employer needs to go as far as possible to try and accommodate, but not beyond the realms of possibility. 100%. And uh, other, um, say, impacts to to one's career and the like, and I I say it in jest, we have these, um, uh, you know, treatment of employees that let's say not only have a pregnancy but then they might have multiple and they're found by the employer to be serial human creators and there's multiple pregnancies within a what they see as a short period of time Mm -hmm. um how are they protected under those circumstances that i you know there's no limit to the amount of children i can have exactly so um the, the starting point is exactly that uh, an employee cannot be limited in terms of the amount of pregnancies that they wish to have. Yes. Um, so the, an employer cannot, for example, say, well, because you've, you've, you know, you've fallen pregnant, uh, twice in two years or three years, you must be somehow disadvantaged. It's, it's absolutely not allowed. No, and policy, um, Correct. any procedure in that or any reasoning as to, or incapacity as a result of that would be, just purely unconstitutional. Exactly, exactly. So um, from an employer's perspective, um, you know, with that in mind, so the, again, there's a particular case that we that we refer to. Um, it's the Mahlangu case. And so they, they, they had an employee where um, she basically claimed that she was not offered an alternative role uh, in the months leading up to her maternity leave because of the fact that she was discriminated against because she had fallen pregnant for the second time in Three years. So effectively, um, what the court found there was uh, that she was indeed treated differently because another employee who also informed the company of her pregnancy a few days later was actually accommodated in that alternative position. So the employer's decision not to place the, the, you know, the particular individual in the alternative position constituted unfair discrimination. And they got the proverbial spanking. Correct. So the Labor <laughs> Appeal Court actually uh, ordered the employer to pay the employee the salary salary that she would have earned had she been placed in that alternative position um, for the months leading up to to her maternity leave. No, and it just and that just goes and shows the strength of our constitution and the, exactly. how it impacts on lives and um, and it's an empowering thing for for um, you know those that are intending to to fall pregnant and the fact that it can't go and impact on their career um, and it shouldn't okay. uh, so it just shows that that's a win for our constitution in that regard um, but thank you so much for joining us again. 
nice short and sweet one and we will get you back um, as soon as possible for uh, many more hopefully my pleasure so if you want to get in touch or you want any further information on the topic at hand um, you know get in touch with us as Shamira said I'm going to cite all the cases that she discussed in our description on the podcast Um, so if you want wrap up uh, an email smack it on the bum and send it to sesk at labornet.com or hit us up on any of the social medias. But until the next episode, uh, stay safe and cheers. Stuff Employers Should Know was proudly brought to you by LabourNet, management's ultimate HR solution. For more episodes from Stuff Employers Should Know, go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you play your favorite shows. Case law or statutes referenced in the podcast are current at the time of recording.